It's hard to feel free when the world is crashing down around us and we're shut up in our homes practicing social distancing. But you don't have to feel trapped. You can write your way to freedom. Welcome to the Right Away Podcast. Welcome to episode three of the Right Away Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Kane, and I am recording this May the 5th. Uh, This week in my writing progress, it was really consistent, which is something that I have been missing a lot for quite a while. Um, I average between about 2,000 and 2,400 words every day without having to like sit at the keyboard and drag it out of myself. I utilized a lot of sprints, which have kind of been my savior, um, both in getting the words down and in forcing me to get away from my really janky desk system that I really can't change until I can travel and go to places that sell decent desk chairs and stuff. But with the combo of the sprints and getting up and laying around in my bed in between sprints, um, I'm actually doing pretty well on both points of progress, health and words. Um, I actually did so well on the cozy mystery that I ran out of plot. I'm not with with romance, I I know the genre well enough. I'm able to plot it from start to finish, before I sit down and even you know think about starting to write the actual prose. As I've been getting into other genres, I find that I actually get overwhelmed because they're not as tight in their expectations as romances. Romance. Um, There's a book called Romancing the Beat by Gwen Hayes that's actually a really good pattern for romances of what the reader expects on their emotional journey. I know a lot of people don't like the formulaicness of romance, but there's a certain pattern that readers expect, um, not in the actual things that happen, but in the emotional responses they have, and that book covers it really well. But when you get into almost any other genre, the emotional expectation is not nearly as strict. And so I kind of get a choice paralysis, a choice overload. And so what I've been doing is only plotting a few scenes ahead of time um, to limit my fear of plotting the wrong things or just feeling like I have to know where everything is going when I'm still in the learning process of these individual genres, and I don't know if I'll ever be a full plotter outer with like space opera or just science fiction in general because there are so many paths, but maybe. Maybe I'll get to a point of comfort where I'm like, okay, no, like I know the kind of stories I like to tell in this genre slash setting, and so I feel really comfortable in knowing where I want to take this whole story. Um, but as it is, I tend to plot just a few like five scenes ahead and I ran out of plot so I switched projects for a little bit while I tried to get into a creative super creative mindset Um, I need more of a deep thinking mindset when I'm plotting and I was just exhausted uh, over the weekend Um, and so I switched to a different project that was already plotted out and um, had a lot of fun putting words down on that. And then yesterday I 
was able to get into the project, I had to move some scenes around. Because um, I'd gotten to that point where I'm like, oh, something is wrong. Not, not just I've run out of plot, but also something is wrong and I don't know where to go from here because the wrong thing will affect everything from here. And I know a lot of people will say, just write your copy for Straff and continue. And I agree with that to a certain extent, but when I know something is super wrong, I have to fix it. Um, so I did that. And really all it was is that I had to take basically the last scene I'd written and move it about three scenes previous and then adjust things to follow from that. And then boom, like problem solved, I was able to move forward. So that was quite exciting. Other than the writing, um, I'm a big learner. And so one of the things I'll probably do in these intro bits is talk about something that I'm learning. And so yesterday uh, started the Write Better Faster 1.0 class with Becca Syme, which I've been really wanting to sink my teeth into for maybe about a year or so, but just time and money had never lined up. And it finally did. So I started it yesterday and it's just an intro, which is really hard for me when, when classes are doled out one piece at a time, which is a really smart way to do it. But I'm an overachiever. And so I'm like, well, can you just give me all the things at once so I can blitz through and do them all, which is not ideal. So it was just introductions yesterday. And then I found myself sitting here this morning, staring at the class website going, mm, how many hours until tomorrow? How many hours until tomorrow? That's just ridiculous. But tomorrow uh, we'll get into some of the assessment stuff, uh, which is personality profiles. And I'm a total personality profile junkie. Uh, so that's right up my jam. One of the reasons I'm taking this class uh, is I have burned out at least three times in the last three years from working too hard, writing too much, writing in a genre I don't love. A multitude of things have contributed to them. But because this is the only money my family lives off of, I couldn't quit. I had to sit there and keep going. And that's, there's something to be said for that. Um, but I'd rather get to a kind of system that where burnout doesn't happen and I don't lose momentum in my writing. So that is my goal for the class. See what I can do to create that kind of system for myself. Now we're going to move on to the interview with my friend, Rachel Amflett. And I introduce her in the episode, so I won't hear. But again, this was one of those interviews that I recorded a few months ago. And so she references a few things that are now available, a few books that were, are now available, and I will link them in the show notes. All right. I am super excited to welcome Rachel Amflit to the podcast. Uh, we met uh, one year ago, almost exactly at the um business masterclass that Chris, Catherine Rush, and Dean Wesley Smith run in Vegas. Um, Rachel Amphlett writes crime fiction and spy novels, most notably the Dan Taylor espionage novels and the Detective K. Hunter series, as well as a number of standalone crime thrillers. Having spent 13 years based in Brisbane, Australia, 
Rachel recently returned to the UK. She's a member of International Writer Thriller Writers and the Crime Writers Association and cites her writing influences as Michael Connolly, Lee Child, and Robert Ludlum. Welcome, Rachel. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Has well, a whole this, year gone past that quickly? It's been a whole year, but it also feels like five years. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And sometimes five minutes, depending on what sort of day you're having. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so uh, you've been writing now for quite a while mm. uh, in the grand scheme of things. How many years exactly? I've been writing and publishing since July 2011. So just over oh, eight wow. years doing this thing. Yeah, you're you're a veteran. Yeah, I am. I'm on, I'll get my rocking chair out. I've been around for ages. New <laughs> young writers. Um, what were you doing when you started uh, writing the first thing that you ended up publishing? The first thing that I ended up publishing was actually a spec fic short story that got picked up by an Australian journal. Um, I had moved to Australia in 2005. Um, I previously played in bands and I did go through a phase of oh maybe I should start another band and then realized it was like herding cats and went no no not doing that anymore been there done that and still needed a creative outlet and I loved writing at school and I loved writing during my secondary school years as well for my English exams and things like that and had dabbled a little bit in my 20s around the guitar playing but it's hard to surf more than one creative master. And so the Absolutely. writing took a back seat until about 2009. And I started getting that bug in my fingers. You know, I, I, I just, oh, got some ideas, don't know what to do with them. And did an online six-week course in creative writing that just gave me the confidence to have a go. And out of that, I wrote some spec fic short stories. I sent them off got placed in some competitions, had a few posted on online, you know, journals and things like that. And that led quite nicely into the idea that became my debut novel that I realised was not going to be spec fic, was a spy thriller and was going to be a heck of a lot longer than a short story. <laughs> and so what was your, when you, when you were writing that novel or when you published it, what was your definition of success? then like what was going to tell you that you were successful at this thing was that even a thing on your mind at the time it was to finish it it was to mm -hmm. have a complete manuscript in my hand and once I'd done that the definition of success changed it was a case of well okay maybe I should try and find an agent or a publisher now back then in Australia um, you could still approach publishers direct many of them and so by the time I had it edited, must have been around about January 2011, February 2011, I started pitching. Had some feedback from a couple of agents in London who liked it, but said, look, you still need to do some work here and here. There's not really a market for a female writer writing spy thrillers at the moment, but good luck. Took on board their feedback. Um, didn't apply to any other agents again. Applied to a couple of the Australian publishers and one came back and went, well, basically, yes, you can write, but we don't really want a female Matthew Riley at this time. Um, and that was just like, huh. And it's this part of me that if I get pushed back like that, I just see it as an all encompassing challenge. And that then became the driving force as to, okay, what are my other options? And completely out of the blue I got an email from a South Australian mystery writer 
who said, have you thought of publishing it yourself? I'm like, oh, what? No, Vanity Publishing. She said, no, 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 no. You're the publisher. You're completely in charge. And that really, really fired, fired me up. I fired up my imagination as to, oh, wow, I can, I can do all of this. I don't have to go to someone. I don't have to wait to be given permission. And awesome. I haven't looked back. <laughs> the, rest is, the rest, as they say, is history. Fabulous. So a lot's changed since then. Oh my gosh. How has yeah. your definition of success changed since then and now? What is your definition of success now? My definition of success now is freedom. Complete mm-hmm. and utter freedom. I've been full, a full-time writer now for two and a half years. I am my own boss. Um, I, take, I don't take the responsibility lightly. I mean, I, I make sure I write every day. And it's, I feel that the success is defined by it's a consolidation of everything that I did working for other people in roles such as project admin and things like that, that I can now put into my own publishing business. But the underlying definition for me is that freedom. That no, one's, no one's running my timetable anymore. It's so wonderful. It's like my number one favorite thing about being my own boss. There's a yeah, lot of other I, things. Uh, yeah, I'm our worst I mean, boss, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all have we all have off days, and sometimes I'm not a very nice employee. And sometimes my it's like I said, uh, I was at a crime fiction conference earlier in the year in the UK here, and they said, you know, what's what's the worst thing about being a writer? And I said, sometimes my publisher's a bitch. And a few people in the audience didn't realize that I'm actually indie and they're like, oh, can you say that? Is your publisher here? I was like, don't worry, <laughs> my publisher knows. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, uh, so it's, I find it really hard a lot of times with the publish, write, repeat, like rapid, rapid, rapid release to always stay focused on like what actually matters to me like do you feel that same pressure sometimes um when uh when you are like in your down days or it's not so much pressure I guess I guess I've been I mean I've only I've never done the rapid release thing I mean yes rapid release compared to our traditional traditionally published compatriots but compared to a lot of indies i don't do rapid release i have full three full-length novels a year and they're typically between 65 and 75,000 words each and that's a comfortable level for me beginning of 2018 well end of 2017 beginning of 2018 was crazy because i also put out three novellas Mm -hmm. and but i think i found a perfect balance because doing three novels a year. Um, I've had some downtime this year that's enabled me to actually get a year ahead of schedule and take the pressure off as well. But just because I've got those manuscripts there doesn't mean I'm going to power out one a month just because I've got Mm -hmm. them. That's there to buy me some bunts in the schedule for next year. And I feel that by giving myself that space is opening up opportunities to learn more craft. Mm-hmm. I want to get back into my short stories because since 2009, I haven't published a short story and I've, I want to pick up those skills. There's so many new yeah. different skills associated with writing short stories compared with writing novels. For example, I want to leave space so that opportunities come to me that I wouldn't have necessarily gone out to seek just because I've got that time on my hands and 
someone might make a send me an email and go oh hey we're doing this would you like to do that or did you know so and so speaking at such and such somewhere in the world and because of this definition of success is freedom and having mm -hmm. that space that I've created for myself now within the schedule um, that's much healthier for me I totally agree um, and with the short stories uh, we were talking just before this you're planning on doing like you've got even like time set aside for that when you're going to do that uh, next yeah, year it's, I think it comes back to that dedication to craft um, mm -hmm. I went back this year and did some craft courses with mutual friends of ours and just to constantly keep delivering quality stories and have fun at the same time, learn something. I love learning. I'm a complete sponge. Um, but setting aside that special time next year to do these short stories just enables that folk, that complete focus on it mm -hmm. for 12 weeks and do nothing else. Um, I've, I'm kind of thinking along the lines of talking to other writing friends that I need to do a decent length short story every week for 12 weeks just to see if I can yeah. do it to get that that new habit forming there was a great piece of writing um or just a, a quote that I read years ago when I was still writing on my commute into work every day by train into Brisbane and I used to get on that train every morning open the laptop and get between five and seven hundred and fifty words down before my working day started and there's a chap called Jeff Goins and mm -hmm. it was a quote by him that it said, you know, in order to hit a goal, you have to form a habit and your brain is like any other muscle. You know, when you start, when you first start going to the gym and it's like the first six weeks of hell, it's like everything hurts. You don't, you have to talk yourself into going three times a week to make it worth your while. Once your muscles are over that six to eight week stretch, it's, it's second nature. And it was the same with this habit forming of the writing as well. It's, you know, and I hope it's going to work the same with the short stories. That's the idea. If I do it every week for 12 weeks, the muscle formation is going to be there. So it'll be a, it'll be a live test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a huge fan of uh, James Clear's books, uh, Atomic Habits. And the way he phrased that same idea was, um, every choice you make is a vote for the kind of person you want to be. Yeah. Um, and I remind myself of that every time I'm resisting, like whether I'm going to eat something I should or shouldn't, yeah. or just like, am I going to spend this, you know, block of time that I have free, you know, on something productive or on something restful. And for me, actually this year, I've had to put a lot more focus on rest because I'm kind of a workaholic. Um, as a, a lot of us are. Um, and I haven't been spending that time uh, living, um, which is why I got into this gig in the first place. And I personally like let that go in, in light of like fears of not having enough money. And you know, I yeah. And I that. think, as you say, there's so many of us that are very similar like that. And I've had that sort of turnaround in the last, well, since we last caught up a year ago as well in that, when we when we met up last year at the conference, I don't even back in the UK for like eight weeks, not that six eight weeks. You were whirlwind. And, oh man, last year was crazy. And moving emigrating back from Australia to the UK took more out of me than I expected. And I think like you, 
in retrospect, this past 12 months since we caught up has been me reassessing where I want to go, who I want to be with this writing gig going forward. And I don't want to burn out. I, it comes back to that, the definition of success being freedom and having the fun with it. Yes. And in that sense, taking care of ourselves so that we can tick both of those big boxes. Absolutely. Now with the short stories, uh, are those also going to be thriller, uh, the way that your novels the, have been? The so ones, yeah, I think, I think I'm always going to have mystery undertones to them. Mm -hmm. um, I wrote a few earlier this year and they're definitely mystery ones, but I've got one that I'm having so much fun with at the moment that is purely spec fic. And I've gone back and I've dug out all the Richard Matheson short stories uh -huh. that I used to read. And went to, oh, I love those and all the Stephen King ones. And so I don't like horror per se, but I love that spec fic Twilight Zone sort of thing that goes yeah. on. It's like that things that are at the fringes. There was a phrase that I heard when I came back to the UK, we moved down to Dorset. And so you've got all these ancient places and things like that. And someone was saying, I overheard someone say, oh, those are the thin places. Those are the places where it's not quite reality and it's a bit like, whoa, like this. And, it's, Ooh, and I, I thought, love oh, I really like that phrase, thin places. And I think it's those thin places that I want to return to with my writing with a spec fic and just kind of play, just see what yeah. happens. So yeah, there's going to be mystery elements and I've got a few plans there based on existing characters that I have, but then I'm just going to let my creative child go and have fun, make a mess, yeah. make mistakes. So, so with this, this more of a sense of freedom, do you still see yourself moving forward as like a, as branding your branding right now is like hardcore like crime thriller like that oh yeah I, definitely yeah the branding stays i mean that's taken a long time to build up um i'm very proud of the branding that i've got um i love crime fiction and spy yeah. that's my happy zone um has been since i was a kid reading um the spec fix stuff, if that comes out, it's going under a pseudonym because I don't want to confuse my readers. I will let readers know because I think mm -hmm. I've got some readers who would be interested in saying, oh, okay, how weird can her brain go? Um, but the spec fix stuff is for me more than anything. It's yeah. for me to just go and have fun, let off some steam, see what I can do as a writer and see where those adventures might take me. Absolutely. Um, and your partner's a writer as well. Or yeah, yeah, or... yep. Nick, um, he writes under the name Nick Adams and he's writing space opera. And he was the one that encouraged me to start writing my first novel. I, I was just going on and on and on about this story that I had for a, a, a novel. And he turned up one day and just bought me a laptop and went, for goodness sake, just write the thing. Stop telling me about it. Just write the book. <laughs> And so about, and he's, he's really good. I mean, all the time that I was right, I was working full time and writing, you know, it's like you come home from work and that's when you start doing all the business and marketing stuff and catch up with emails and social media and, and la la la. And Nick always made sure there was a glass of wine in my hand when I walked through the door and food on the table. And he did that for so long, bless him. Oh, so wow. three years ago when we're still living in Australia and he, I walked out onto our front deck, we we're living out in Brisbane when he got home from work one day. And he said to me, I've got this idea for a sci-fi novel. And I said, well, don't look at me. I said, I don't know the genre. I said, I'm going to give you the advice you gave me. Go and write the damn thing. So yeah. he bought, you know, bought another laptop 
and um, three years ago started writing his first book, just into the dark. No mm -hmm. writing training, nothing. It's just for the love of the genre. Because he's like me with the crime fiction. He's read that since he was a teenager. He knows that genre inside out. And his second book came out at the beginning of November. The third one's coming out in April. And he's yes. built this amazing world in that he's already saying, huh, I've got this really interesting character over there in that galaxy. I want to know how he got into that job that he's got. And he's already planning the next spin-off series. So, um, yeah you know, even more freedom. If we can get to the point with his writing career that he can get the same sort of freedom that I've got through writing. writing house and writing. Mate, life. we can live anywhere in the world. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you ever think that you, my guys might uh, co-write something together or would that be like, <laughs> I think trying be to pushing it. yeah, I think it'd be two worlds <laughs> trying to collide. I think we have such different writing styles mm -hmm. that it's good though, because He's, he's been around the eight years I've been doing this and it's been so many times that I've bounced ideas off him or if with, especially with my spy thrillers, with my Dan Taylor thrillers where I have a male protagonist, Nick's been great that I can just say, you know, would a bloke do this in this situation? And it will, you know, we've played out fight scenes in the living room and stuff like that. So I can say, well, look, this is how I've written it. And Nick's gone, nah, a bloke wouldn't do that. He'd do this instead. Um, I've done the same with my husband. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. And it's things like, we can run blurbs back and forth, you know, cover, cover blurbs and stuff like that and say, Oh, I'm not so sure about this. So it's that teamwork is there with things like that, but I don't see us co-writing, but never say <laughs> never. Stranger things have happened. <laughs> Always put a mystery in his world. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I think I do enough of that anyway. He's often seen scratching his head when it comes to me. <laughs> <laughs> So one of the things uh, I, I love about your, your kind of like production goals for me, you do three full novels a year um, and you are a hundred percent wide and have been from the beginning. I mean, when you yeah. started, there wasn't KU, right? No, no, that's right. It's like really bizarre because when I started out, it was smash words or nothing. Um, <laughs> and I did when I'd, KU came around, what, 20? 14 something like that 2015 yeah. I think that's when everyone chucked books it feels in like and forever made them. and yeah all at the same but time. for me I did try putting books in there and honestly I actually told them I wanted I got out early and that was you know whenever I was making them in I it's the business sense part of me that I don't like putting all my eggs in one basket I wouldn't say I'm risk adverse but there's risk adverse and there's cutting off all your choices and at the moment I mean you know I've I sold books this year in Madagascar, Ivory Coast, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Mauritius I'm already planning the book tour you know it's just like yeah. for a travel junkie like me to see that and these aren't even translations these are people buying the books as they are from places like Google Play or you know Rakuten shops online mm -hmm. as part of the Kobo ecosphere that really excites me and I love getting emails from people from around the world you know because I'm interested in where they are you know what they're doing where they live it's uh you know I've got two passports I'm not afraid to use them <laughs> absolutely uh I'm working on that for my kid don't know if I'll ever have the two passports but <laughs> at least the U.S. is a pretty strong one yeah exactly exactly but yeah it was being wide was and, and what a lot of people don't realize is I broke out in Canada first on Kobo mm -hmm. you know I've never really 
broken out per se on Amazon. Yes, it's a, a chunk of the royalties that come in, but it's it's not the be all and end all. If Amazon went skywards tomorrow, I've still got a writing business and I've still got a solid writing business. It's not a case of I'd be scrabbling around to pay the rent this month. Mm -hmm. um, being wide has given me that you know, a really good cushion in case, in case any of the retailers go down. You know, there's always a backup. You, you know, always have a plan B, C, and D. Um, and that feeds into that sense of freedom. It does. You're absolutely right. It is not being hemmed in by one set of rules. I'm, I'm really not very good with rules at all. Um, so going and, with that, not being mm. good with rules, um, the how do you play with that in your writing? Because crime thriller tends to have like a fairly consistent expectation of certain things that do happen in the book. How do you play with that? Because rules don't fit you. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think it's because I think it's in the genes. This crime fiction malarkey now. I mean, my 20th book comes out in March and I live and breathe this stuff. What I, what has changed is my first few books I did a lot more plotting ahead and I've noticed that the more I do this and especially in the last two or three years I'm letting go of the planning stages a bit more and trusting my characters now when I first get an idea for a story I'll see a scene as if I'm remembering a film that I've watched I will see the entire scene I know which characters in there I know what's going on and that may grow in my mind to the first four or five scenes and I'll just put some bullet points down and then I'm off. The best part for me and the freedom in that writing comes when I've got those scenes out of the way and my detectives or my spies go off and they're investigating. You know, my, my detectives, I love it when my detectives are interviewing people because I've got no idea what those characters are going to say. Yeah. You know, I can have my detective walk into a fast food restaurant and go, I need to see your security cameras because blah. And I've got no idea what that fast food restaurant manager is going to say to my detective or what they're going to see on those CCTV cameras. And it's that's that sense of freedom is to just just go with it. Just go and oh, find that, out what happened. That actually sounds kind of terrifying to me at this point. Like It was for a long, happen. long time. Yeah, it really was. But I think because of having the writing habit of writing every day, there's not many days I don't write. And it's usually if I'm snowed under with a, a bit of editing and stuff like that, or, or just, you know, coming up to a new release. But when I write every day, I think that is building on maybe, I want to say confidence, but sometimes the writer that feels like the wrong word, doesn't it? Because you still have those insecurities like, oh my gosh, I'm bringing out a new book into the world. You know, is everyone going to like it? What are people going to think? I think trust might be a better, a better word. Yes. Yeah. Just having that trust in everything I've done before mm -hmm. and just trusting my characters. Yeah. It's a little scary when you're dealing with new characters. Right. And I, I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because you have, uh, you do have a comfort level in the genre of like yeah. you kind of know your beginning ending and, and general arc um and you know your characters so you at least know how your detective is yeah at the end of the day with a yeah with a detective novel you know the bad guy has to get it at the end somehow as long as you get to that point you know all is well with the world at the end of the story yeah um and you've been your longest series is uh your detective k hunter series yeah can you believe that's been going three years now 
I, yeah, I just and you're I, on, you just published book seven or book, book eight? Book eight came out in October. Um, yeah. Book nine goes into the audiobook studio in January. That'll be out in the summer 2020. And how is how does that feel like writing a long series and being with the character that long? Have you started to get a little a little weary or is it no. because you spaced it out? Like it's still just exciting. It could be that they're spaced out, but I have so many ideas that come into my head through reading news articles and stuff like that. Or I see a, you know, it's like you'll see a, a comment or something like that and go, huh, well, I wonder if that happened, what, what would happen there? Or how would that character react? And honestly, I like hanging around with those characters. I like the humor between them. I like the way they've grown. Um, I'm interested in finding out where they go next mm-hmm. with their careers. And I like the fact that it is not just about, in this instance, Kay Hunter. It's not about one character. It's, I always wanted to make it, because like, I love stuff like NCIS and things like that, where you're invested in a team. Mm-hmm. And because I have a team, but you know, just one character carries the series name, I've got that entire team to play with and watch and see how they grow. And the later books, even more so, I'm bringing out more and more scenes for individual characters within the team, because I just think that makes for so much more interesting dynamics. And so much depth. Yeah, I, I hope really so. like reading series like that. Um, yeah, it's um, and that's what I'm trying to do with my new series that begins in March. It's a new set of characters, which again has been terrifying because it's like that whole world building thing and that level of trust hasn't been there. But I'm writing the first three books in a row just so to really embed myself as well into that series as I have with the other series that I've got. And that's been yeah. And do you know what it's worked? I'm having, yeah. I've got to book three now and I'm only about 20,000 words in, but I'm having so much fun with them because that element of trust is now there. That's excellent. So well, we yeah. are wrapping writing, up our writing, writing into the dark all the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not there yet. I am playing around with writing uh, with dim headlights. And oh, a I love ahead. that. <laughs> I love that. Like, not going quite in the dark yet. <laughs> <laughs> Headlights dimmed is just fine. Yeah, I've got my like four or five scenes ahead that I kind of know what's happening. That's it. That's all you need. That's often what I'll do. And they'll just be bullet points just to show me the way. But anything beyond that, haven't got a clue. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that. I'm liking that that freedom and that play and that level of, uh, of uh, unknowing. But yeah. Knowing. Highly recommend it. Give it a yeah. go. <laughs> um. So for our listeners, you said you had a book recommendation. Mm, Yeah, this is one that I read a couple of years ago, and it's one that I returned to. And it's it's going back to Jeff Goins, Mm -hmm. who I read that quote on his blog about, you know, a habit, you know, form a habit to get to a goal. And he's got a fantastic little book out called Real Artists Don't Starve. And it's really about valuing yourself as a creative no matter what you do whether you're a writer a sculptor a watercolor artist or a photographer but just having that respect for yourself and for what you're doing and not giving away your work for free you know at the end of the day what you're doing is worth something to someone and there's a there's some great it's a great book you know for those days when you're feeling a little bit punched around by life in general and a bit down about the creative stuff and the business side of the creative stuff. Go and pick up Real Artists Don't Starve. It'll put a smile on your face. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you so much for letting me into your head this week. If you find the content I share useful, you can buy me a coffee at coffee.com slash Chris Kane. That's ko-fi.com slash C-R-Y-S-C-A-I-N. And don't forget to hit subscribe.